Welcome to Work From The Inside Out, a podcast that highlights real-life stories, practical strategies, and best practices for transitioning your career from unhappiness and dissatisfaction to fulfillment, meaning, and joy. Now here is your host, career and executive coach, Tammy Guler loeb Hey, everybody. I am so delighted to introduce my guest today, Rusty Gaylord. Rusty works at the intersection of high-tech and inner-tech, helping successful business leaders achieve their next level of success by upgrading their inner technology. From an engineering degree at Princeton to his first job at GE under Jack Welch to a Stanford MBA to the Worldwide Director of Finance at Apple, Rusty has walked the traditional path of success. Along the way, he learned that traditional success is not the same as being successful in life. Discovering and building a successful life required upgrades to his inner tech, the beliefs, thoughts, and habits that create his life experience. Those upgrades to his operating system came through challenge and opportunity, a voluntary demotion to spend more time at home, a divorce, and leaving his 25-year corporate career to become a coach. Using a repeatable process to upgrade your inner tech, Rusty now helps others define and achieve holistic success in life on their terms. Rusty has been a student of self-development and transformation for over 10 years and was formally certified with the Brave Thinking Institute in 2018. Please join me in welcoming Rusty Gaylord. Welcome, Rusty. Thanks, Tammy. So good to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us from your home and office in San Francisco. Yeah, very happy to be here. So glad to have you. So, Rusty, as you know, work from the inside out. It's all about the journeys that we've had in our careers and our lives. And you have had quite the journey. I'm so excited to have you here today. Take us back to some of the earlier years, perhaps some of the formative years that led you to where you are today. Absolutely. You know, it, in the introduction, you just uh, for, uh, d- describes a little bit of my background. We t- it, it described this traditional path of success that I yeah. followed, and that very much was the you know that the, the formative years, the early years for me were about embedding that that path of success. I grew up in a house, a very traditional household, where my mom stayed home, and my dad went to work. He was very successful as a business executive. And he went to work in the day, in the morning, and he came back and he was always home for dinner, but he worked hard. He would, you know, he could be home for dinner, but then he would go back to work at home with his paperwork. Of course, this was well before the days of personal computing and, right. and the internet. So uh, he would be there with his paperwork at, at night. Uh, and so he was just, he was a hard worker, but he was very successful and climbed the corporate ladder. He worked at the same company for 35 years. Wow. And so that was this, that was the model that I had and that was celebrated and achievement was celebrated and success. And, and so I very much was on this path of achievement or path of success. And that's, that's where I started out. So I did very well. I was, you know, 
fortunate that I did very well in school. Uh, so I was uh, always at the top of my class in my in my in high school and also in college, and um, just assumed that that was this path of success that I would be on. And having grown up in this family where, you know, my dad was very successful in business, I thought naturally that I would be the CEO of a big company. That just mm. seemed logical to me. It's like, well, hey, yeah. that's what successful people do, and and I can do that, so that's what I will do. Right. So it was just the assumption. I mean, it wasn't even, there really wasn't a lot of question in your mind. You just, you just thought if I follow the formula, that's where I'll land. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and, and it's fascinating because, you know, as, as a coach, I talk to a lot of people and, you know, I ask them, where do you get your models for success? Like, mm. you know, for the, the templates of what does success look like in life and yeah. what does your path look like and what are the next steps you're taking and so on. And, so many people, their response to that is from their family, either their yeah. family directly or perhaps from their in-laws. Uh, you know, maybe there's a special teacher that informed them. Yeah. But it's very largely about, you know, well, this is just, these were kind of my family values is often right. the response I get. Right. And so it's right. been so interesting for me personally to reflect on my own path of success that I followed, but other people to hear theirs as well, which is, you know, this is just the assumption of I first I go to college and then I get my job and then I get promoted and then I get married and right. and I have kids right and it's just this it's pretty you know formulaic it's for linear right it is yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I I'm in the middle of well I actually just finished the manuscript for my first book and I have a chapter in there that says careers are not linear mm. and success is not a destination right <laughs> and but yet, I think many of us were raised with that model, and it it was partly from our families. I think it was societal, too, though, that there is this notion that you go to school, whether it's, I mean, from, from when I grew up, I don't think the assumption was that everyone went to college. I think it is today that most people go. But there was the assumption that you get an education. And from there, that leads to some kind of line of work, career, profession. And from there, you build on that. And then you build your expertise. And you either become, you know, higher up in your profession or you become a business owner or, and you're all set for life. You get your white picket fence, 2.3 children, and you're all set. That's success, right? Yeah. And, um, for sure. And that, that was my assumption as well, by the way, uh, you know, kind of growing up in that a family like that, that had those kind of beliefs. And as you said, culturally, it's bigger than just the family. It's part of the culture. Yeah. Growing up there, that was my definition of success. And I did find at some point that once I had checked most of those boxes, I found myself in this place of wondering, you know, now what? Or is this it? Mm. And and even some conflict around it. Because one element that I that I haven't really shared is growing up, you know, my dad was very successful, but I would have loved to have had him a little bit more available to just hang out and play mm. and you know, do kid stuff, right? Like yeah. what kid doesn't want to spend more time with their parents? Of course I did. Yeah. And and my dad was because he was you know he worked very hard and he was driven to be to be successful in that kind of you know external sense of um, title and position and authority and all of that and he was but so you know there was a little bit of a trade off there and you know as a child I had this sense of 
I wish that, you know, when I'm an adult, I'm going to be more engaged and more involved in my family. So you, you had those thoughts even as a kid. I did. And it was reinforced actually in, in my early twenties, uh, I did a, a little field assignment for my first job and I was working with the military and I went out for a beer one day, one night with this, um, master chief in the military, which is one of the most senior enlisted positions in the Navy. And he'd been in the military for over 20 years and he was very successful. He had reached the pinnacle of what he could accomplish. And he said to me, you know, Hey, if I could do this all over again, I would have put less time into my career and spent more time with my family. Wow. So from my own personal experience and then hearing that from this man, which clearly had an impact 20 plus years ago, I remember that conversation. Um, so those things came together to me. And so it was a little bit of this um, intersection or this, this conflict between this assumption that I would have about the path that I would follow to become CEO of a big company right. and a desire to really be present and engaged in my family in a way that, you know, at a different level than what I had experienced when I was a child. Yeah. Wow. But it's in, it's interesting that you even had those thoughts as a child, you know, that I think a lot of, maybe I'm wrong, but I think of a lot of kids as just, this is just the way it is. This is the way life is, you know, like I can imagine, you know, well, when I was little, a lot of moms stayed home with the kids and the dads went off to work. That was not that unusual. Um, I know my mom did work part-time and then went to work full-time when I was maybe eight or nine or 10, something like that. Um, and that didn't seem like a big deal. I think I had a bit of an adjustment to it, but um you know, but it wasn't, it, it didn't, none of it seemed questionable. And it's funny because I was the kind of kid who did question things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that you did have those thoughts, even at that age. Yeah, um, I did. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, ultimately, that's what led to what you described as, as in the introduction is this voluntary demotion. Um, yeah. And that was really one of the first times when I felt like the this these two paths, my personal path of family life and my yeah. professional path of career advancement and traditional yeah. success, where those two things intersected. Yeah. In, in a challenging way. Because you know, early in your life when you're single, it's easy to work as much as you want. Oh yeah. And yeah. even when I was married without kids, that was yeah. pretty easy to do. Yeah. But you know, once uh, I, I just have one child, but once one or multiple children enter the picture, it's a whole different, uh, different ballgame. Right. And right. it just, I found myself in this place where I really felt like I was failing at work and at home oh. um, because I was, I just been promoted. I was the worldwide director of finance at Apple and I was leading our forecast for all of the products that we sell globally. So it was a huge responsibility and I, Apple's a global company. So that meant working with Europe in the morning, working in the U.S. during the day and working with Asia in the evening. And that evening time in particular was, you know, is dinner time and bath time and, you know, bedtime, all of those things that are a big part of the day yeah. that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And I was, had this massive conflict around that same time period, being available and engaged in conference calls and meetings and just being present at work. Yeah. And just, I felt like everything was a trade-off and I just felt like I was failing in both, wasn't doing well in either place. And came to this decision of, 
really back to this conversation I had had, back to this with this man from the Navy, back mm-hmm. to this realization I had had as a child that just, if I really believe in that, I got to put my money where my mouth is. Wow. Uh, and I was hiring a position on my team and I decided to take that position and had my boss backfill me in the position that I had been in. So that's how I basically demoted myself, um, which was... I did it. I did not do this gracefully. <laughs> I did not do it smoothly. <laughs> it was kind of a mess, to be honest. Um, but, you know, well, I did. It. There's no and, model for that. You know, there's a model for reaching worldwide director of finance, right? Yeah. There's a model for climbing the ladder. There's not a lot of models for stepping down the ladder. No. There's models for stepping off the ladder. <laughs> Well, and what you just said is super insightful because in a way I did step off the ladder, which also became very disorienting. So personally, it was great because now I had a job that was smaller than the job I had been doing. I could easily manage that job. I had a lot of flexibility in my schedule. And so on many respects, personally, it was a great win. But I had also really unknowingly stepped off the ladder. And then, you know, for, for me, my whole path had always been, I'm going to be the CEO of a company. And when I stepped off of that path, there was no path for me anymore. And that became very disorienting after a while, you know, for, for a little while, it was great. It was like, Hey, this is wonderful. I've got free time. I can manage my schedule. I can be home and I can be present and I'm still working and I still have a job that I'm good at and I can manage well. I enjoy the people and I'm, you know, all of that. So you know, for a while it was great, but then I, you know, now what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, so I found that when I stepped off of the path, but I think a lot of people find that when they reach the end of the path of what they expected to do in life. And if you reach that path when you're 30 or 40, it doesn't matter when you reach it, but when right. you reach that path, then you start asking, what the heck comes next? Right. Because you know, I was just sitting there thinking, I don't want to just sit here in this right. job for the next 15 years until I retire and just right. waste that time away. I want to, I still want to do something meaningful and productive with my life, but I don't want to do it in a way that I sacrifice the ability to be present and engaged with my family. Right. So what is the path from here? That, I, I mean, I'm, st- I'm, a, I have a million questions. So so how how long had you been doing the the higher level role world? That just sounds daunting to me, worldwide director of finance at Apple. When you describe that role, I just I, I mean, I'm I'm just in awe. I can't imagine what that role must have entailed. Um and and then to hear you say you stepped down to something more manageable from that, I'm thinking. I can only imagine that even even stepping down from that role was still not a small job. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I didn't step into a small a small job necessarily, but I mean, from from a layperson's point of view, yeah. let's say, right? Yeah. You know, given given how big Apple is, big doesn't even describe it. So, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, so you step down and I'm thinking it, he was still in a really big job. <laughs> so t- tell us what you stepped down into and how did you, I mean, I think people would be curious to know how you went about doing that, even if it was messy. Yeah. Um, well, so the, 
the job that I stepped into was the, it was a, it was a manager as a manager level. So I had been a director and I stepped down to a senior manager level in finance still. Mm-hmm. And I was responsible for more of the, uh, more of the analytics and the data and the, and the systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, I was really more of the infrastructure that drives the forecast process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the, that was the role that I stepped into. And it was really just through conversations with my boss, uh, you know, he was not happy, uh, understandably, uh, because I was, you know, making a pretty significant change and he was counting on me in that role. Uh, and he supported me, which I was very fortunate that, that yeah. I did have his support in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it was, uh, it was, as I said, it, it was not graceful or smooth or easy. Um, it was, it was tumultuous. For how so though? Say say a little more about that. How was it tumultuous? I mean, look, change is tumultuous, period. But I'm curious in what ways was that tumultuous? Because it's such a different kind of change than what people envision when change occurs. Yeah. Well, I really was tumultuous in two ways. One is that what I was asking for from my from my boss, he was not happy about giving me. So that was the first piece. Because right? he was counting on you to do the director role. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was my job and I was in it and I was doing and it. He and he was happy with your performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So he didn't want to lose that. Exactly. And yeah. so that was, that was the first level of challenge. That was kind of the external piece. And frankly, the other piece was the internal piece about this conflict between my, uh, you know, my childhood views about what I wanted, which was yeah. to be, to have a dad that was more present and my ex- expectations and ambitions about my own career okay. to go on to be continue to be successful and continue to grow in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And those two things, that was an internal conflict. Which, so that was your internal conflict. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I did make a choice on it, but I'm not saying that was an easy decision to come to. Of course uh, not. A no. lot of, uh, there was a lot of hand-wringing and gnashing of teeth of, you know, is this really the right thing? And, you know, do I, because, you know, I, up until that point in my life, I had been able to do it all. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, I reached this point where it seemed to me I could not do everything that I wanted to do. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, that was also, that was also part of this tumultuous change of, yeah. you know, it just changing my own self-perception in some way. Yeah. 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 Those, that's huge. That's really huge. Absolutely. So, um, how long had you been the director when you decided to make that tumultuous? It was about two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a solid period of time to be in the role. And then you demoted yourself with with the blessing of your boss. As difficult as that was, how long did you remain in that demoted role? Well, that's the interesting thing. Is I remained in that role until I left Apple, which was about eight years. Wow. So you stayed another eight years. I did. Uh, and the, those, those eight years, you know, a couple of years into the eight years, I knew I wanted to do something else. Yeah. And I started off by looking around inside the company and there are interesting things to do, but I really, you know, Apple's an intense company. It's a yeah. very successful company, but it's intense. There's, there's a high expectation and people put in a lot of hours and uh, people are very committed to the company, which makes it a great place to work. And I did not want to go backwards from the, from the standpoint of the flexibility and freedom that I had in terms of balancing my work and my personal life. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't want to go back into this role that I was, you know, putting hours and hours and lots, lots of long time, long hours into my, my job because that was the whole reason I left this, my director job in the first place. Right. So I didn't want to go back into that position. And so I, you know, I looked around inside the company. I never found anything that felt like it was going to be moving in the right direction. I ultimately looked outside the company and everything seemed like more or less another version of what I was doing at Apple. You know, I could go work at another tech company. I could go to consulting. I could go to work at a startup, but they all felt like not fundamentally different from what I was doing. Right. What's the point of going somewhere else, starting from scratch to do something that I'm basically already doing? None. So that's why I ended up staying there for so long because I, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, I'd reached the end of my path, but the path that I was wanting or looking for was a content a continuation of the path that I had already been on, and that path I couldn't find. So I just I really was in a holding pattern for a period of time, and that's where I got to this questioning of, am I just going to be here for, until I retire? Wow. And that was a not a you know that was a little bit of a depressing thought, which is you know Apple's a great company. I had a wonderful job. I was paid well. It was stable. There were so many good things, and I wanted to do something that I could feel more engaged in and more passionate about, and just have a better personal alignment with the work that I was doing. Because we all spend so much of our life at work. I didn't want to spend all of that time treading water, if you will, kind of standing still. Yeah, and I believe that that's a place where a lot of people get to in their career, right? They get uh, near the end of their into the choir here, yeah. <laughs> Rusty. Yep. Um, and they say, and they say, what's next? And so, you know, when you when we talk when I talk about inner technology, yeah, it's really this. It's the it's the kind of questions we ask. It's what we think is possible. Um, it's really about kind of how our perspective on the world. Because my at that point, my perspective on the world was, again, informed by my, my experience in life to date, was I work at a big company and I have a job at a, you know, a large company. I get a paycheck and um, you know, that's, that's the kind of person I am. So the idea of being a coach or a teacher or anything like that was, that wasn't even on the radar screen. So when I was looking at other jobs, like, it didn't even come up as an idea. Yeah. It, it didn't even, it wasn't even in the, on the landscape of what was possible. Right, exactly. Which is, and that is such a great reflection of inner technology is like, what do you think is possible and not possible? Because that right there, it's different from person to person. What you think, Tammy, and what I think, I'm sure right. are different. And yeah. that's a, just a reflection of our own operating system. It's how yeah. we were programmed. It's what we learned. Yeah. And it's changeable. And that's the thing that I just get so fired up about these days, which is, you know, hey, all of the limitations that you think are placed on you in your in your life, those limitations are internal. They're things that you have learned to expect to be a limitation. And if right. you expect it to limit you, it will limit you. Right, right. And that is something that's changeable. So that's, right. some, that's the process I've been through as I've found this new path towards being a coach. So how did you, how did you come upon this notion of inner inner tech and what what occurred at the end of that eight years or when did you realize oh I keep hitting this brick wall there's really nothing I'm finding out there that's different enough from where I am now I'm feeling stuck so what changed for you 
Yeah. So there, there's, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit in the story uh, sure. because there's, a, there's another element of this, which is a personal element, which is uh, in, during those eight years when I was in that job, uh, I ended I was, I got divorced and the divorce was challenging. Uh, you know, any divorce I think is challenging um, because it's, uh, you know, I had also described most of my life. I saw myself as largely successful in life, achieving and accomplishing what I wanted to mm-hmm. and divorce clearly was never part of my plan. I don't think it's part of anyone's plan. No. Um, and so it was for me, even more so than the job thing it felt like the biggest failure that I had ever had in my life. Sure. And that really challenged me. The, the other element that kind of came with the divorce was recognizing that I really didn't have anyone in my life I could talk to about what was going on. Um, growing up in my family, we were externally oriented. So we were focused on what's going on around us and success and moving forward. And we didn't talk about our internal experience especially all those uh, feelings you might uh, label as difficult or challenging, like fear or anxiety or failure. Um, Any of those things we didn't really talk about. So I didn't talk about it growing up. I didn't talk about it with my friends. I found myself going into this divorce with no one to talk to. Wow. And that just was not sustainable. I, I had a therapist and that was fine, but it's not the same as having a community and friends. Right. Um, so I built that, uh, and I, I built that community and I really did it with, with other men. And that's been something that's just been transformative in my life. And it's been so powerful and beautiful to have a community of men where we can, I can talk about my life and share with them what's going on with me. So that was something that kind of came from the divorce process. And mm-hmm. the moment that these two paths intersected the career path and this, this personal path about talking to people was I was listening to a speaker and the speaker was challenging my inner technology, challenging my operating system saying, you know, most of us, all of us really have assumptions about what we think is possible and we have constraints. And she said, you know, what if money were not a constraint in your life? And what if your past experience were not a constraint? And what if what other people thought was not a constraint? What if none of those things, your time, your age, you know, who you know, your network, what if none of those things constrained you? What would you love to do with your life? Mm-hmm. And the idea just came to me almost instantly. I would love to have more of these meaningful and deep conversations with people because that had been so powerful for me during this divorce process and beyond that I just said, I would love it if that were my life. And that, you know, that went quickly to, well, could I be a therapist? And I didn't want to go back to school and practical hours and all that stuff. I said, the, the, the hurdle's way too high on that. Um, but, you know, I could, I could do this in a meaningful way to help people move forward in their lives because it's been transformative for me. I would love to p- pass that forward to other people. And that's, you know, it was really in a moment, the idea came to me. And it was the moment of stepping out of my existing operating system. And if I could step out of it for a moment, then I got this little glimmer of an idea and said, well, hey, I could go in that direction. And then in the moving in that direction, started to shift all of my beliefs and assumptions about what's possible. Wow. Uh, I'm curious, do you remember who that speaker was who, who posed those questions and it was kind of that turning point for you? Absolutely. Yes. Her name is Felicia Searcy. And I remember where, you know, I'm sure we all have these experiences, but I remember where I was. I can picture it. I can see the scene. I mean, it was, it, 
it, it's touched me in such a way that I, I think it's one of those events that I'll never forget. Wow. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I, I often, I'm not the only one who calls these things this, but kind of call those defining moments. But it really was, it was sort of a, a it was almost like a, a spark plug that was sparked. You had already been working on that and it just kind of brought it all together, right? Yeah, it did. And, it, and, but, but there's more to your story from there because you clearly went on to do more from there. I did. Well, and that was the, that was the spark. I love that analogy, the spark plug. Um, and I moved from there into, you know, my first step was to explore and, you know, figure out what is the path. But that happened in a, in a week or two. It was very quick. And I decided I wanted to be a coach. And I signed up to get trained and certified as a coach. But just like any kind of move, it was scary. Yeah, I was, in, I was in the middle of this divorce. It was we were going to trial. I had I was being put on the witness stand. I mean, it was Ooh. ugly, and you know, I was in the middle of all this. I'm working full time. My son is with me part time, um, so I felt like my life was full. And there was a part of me that said, "You're crazy to add coach certification and training on top of that. Like this is not the right time in your life." And you know, I've just come to appreciate that opportunities don't always come when they're convenient or easy. Uh, but there is a tremendous power in saying yes to the things that call you forward in life. And so I just said yes. And I said, I don't know exactly how this is going to fit into my life, but it's important to me and I'm going to prioritize mm. it and it will fit. And it did. And I went through it and it was great. And, you know, the, but in, in a way, a very similar thing happened six or nine months later, after I had finished the certification process and I had started my business and I was ready to say, I want to invest more of my time in this. So I'm going to leave my job at Apple. And once again, there's a huge part of me that, that roars up and says, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? Why would you leave this job that's stable? You've got a paycheck and benefits and you're an expert at what you do and you have a team and you like the people and all of these things. And to go from an expert to be a, being a beginner and to walk away from the stable stability and the predictability and all of that. Like I'm well-respected and well-known and now I'm going to be a beginner starting out on this thing and nobody knows me. Uh, so, th you know, there was a huge part of me that said, don't do it. You're like, but, you're switching to a new operating system that hasn't been tested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a way that's true. But, you know, the... I think, and I think this is the, it's these moments of, it's like these moments are the test. Absolutely. These moments are the test and either you go forward or you go backwards in these moments. Right. But inevitably when you're wanting to go forward in life, it's, there's going to be a part of you that doesn't want to do it. There's, it's that old operating system that says, this isn't who you are. This isn't the way you work. You don't make decisions like this. This is irresponsible. Why would you right. do this? Right. And all of those voices were in my head at that moment. And, you know, this is true for everybody is for all the people I work with, for anybody who's going forward and starting something new, you have some version of that voice. And the question is, what do you do with it? Do you listen to it and go backwards? Or do you say, that's just a part of the process and it's not going to stop me because right. where I'm going matters and it's valuable and important to me. And you go forward anyway. Yeah. And that in itself is a huge part of the upgrade process, that right. decision to move forward. Right. Right. Absolutely. So that was... That wasn't that long ago, was it? 
Yeah, that's right. That was uh, about a little over two years ago. Wow. Wow, yep. wow, wow. So how's it been going? Oh, it's great. You know, <laughs> I, um, it was, this was probably six months ago or so. Somebody asked, you know, I said, you know, if you move down this path towards what it is that you would love to do in your life, and yes, there's some risk involved. And, you know, yes, it's going to, there's parts of it that are uncomfortable. But if, if you're moving towards something that you want in your life, you will find yourself a year, two years down the road, looking back at your life, and you won't even recognize how yourself back then, you know, like, it'll be, your life will be so different. Mm-hmm. And this person said to me, he's like, well, is that your experience? And it gave me pause for a second. I said, it is. My life is so different now. And it's really just been two years, but it's dramatically different. Just in terms of my happiness, my sense of possibility, uh, what I think is, you know, just the the scope and the sense of, you know, open turf in front of me, where I can go and what I can do is just so much broader and so much greater than it was a few years ago. And I'm happier on a day-to-day basis in what I'm doing. Wow. So, and that, and I just believe that when that happens in one area of life, it happens in all areas of life. And the converse of that is when one area of life is not working, that's, you know, that, that seeps out into all areas of life. Right. So, you know, when you're unhappy in one part of life, that tends to impact all of your life. And it's the, the opposite too. So just finding this path of opening Mm -hmm. And possibility and upgrade has Mm -hmm. been just phenomenal in my relationships, my happiness, my health, my work, just in in all of these aspects. Wow. That's inspiring. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. I agree with it, too. I I think that's that also speaks to another model that I think many of us grew up with. The model that you put work in one bucket and life in another bucket like family and, you know, and even though I know we've been talking about how, you know, I wish I had spent less time on my career, more time with family, as if they're completely separate entities. Yes, there is a separation, but there is some overlap in that when you are happy in your career, when you are enjoying your work, yes, it's different from your family, but it's a part of your life. And so there is a way in which there's a blending between life and work. You know, I, I recall talking to my parents about their work when I was a kid and, and seeing how much they enjoyed their work. And so even though their work wasn't a part of our family life per se, it was part of our dinner table conversations. It wasn't like, oh, work is over here in this room, and then we close the door, and then there's nothing that has anything to do with it, you know, at the kitchen table or something. And so I think that there's a way in which, you know, if you look at this whole entity that you have that you call your life, your your work, your career, your livelihood is integrated into that. And so it makes sense what you're saying about that. So tell us, Rusty, tell us what your, what, your, um, what your work is looking like today, what your business is looking like, how it's evolved. Yeah. So I've, um, I, I'm working with, I love to work with successful, high achievers, ambitious people, because they tend to be the people who are moving, on, moving forward on their path. Yeah. And specifically people who find themselves, much like I did, 
saying, you know, hey, this is there's there's something missing here. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've, I've been following the path. It's what everybody expected me to do. It's what I expected to do. And I want more. Yeah. And it's really working with them to define what that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's no, you know, I, leaving the, leaving your 25 year career to go start your business. Like that was my path. That doesn't have to be anyone else's path. Right. I have no assumption about what's right or wrong for someone right. other than to work with them to tune into what they would love their life to look right. like. Right. Right. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, this assumption that work and life are separate, like work right. and family and work and pleasure are separate right. things. Right. That's very much a... Uh, a societal norm or expectation. Right, right. Um, and there's others of those too. Like, yeah. uh, you know, you can't get paid to do work you love. Oh, um, oh, yes. You know, yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you love it, it's got to be more of a hobby, a hobby. or right. or a leisure activity. And why would you, you know, if you get paid to do it, that will ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, is fascinating. And I, there's there's no there's no right or wrong in any of this, but just to recognize that every choice we make, every belief we hold, has an impact, and this is why I talk about it as an operating system because it's it's like software. It's just that you put this input in and you get that output out, and yeah. it's the same thing as when you believe that you can't get paid to do work you love, then it will always you, that will always be true for you. Yeah, fine. Yeah. You know if that's what you want, great. Right. But if you would love to get paid to do work you love, like if that idea is interesting or inspiring to you, and of course there's a part of you that doesn't believe it. We all right. have that. Oh, yeah. But if you're willing to lean into it, that could be an upgrade. Right. And that's what keeps people stuck. I mean, I think that there are people who who genuinely, you know, believe, and you can't talk them out of it, that if they were to do what you did, you know, walk away from a 25-year career and hang up a shingle, that they would be not only ruining their lives, but somebody else's life too. And um, and they're not living in the land of possibility. Now, that said, for some people, for whatever reasons, that may not be their, their best choice, as you also said. You know, there's lots. But I think when you don't even give yourself the chance or the opportunity to think about what else is possible, what other options are out there, you're doing yourself a big disservice. Or if you're not really giving yourself the chance to even connect with your unhappiness, to even examine it, there's a problem. There's a real big problem. Yeah. And and in fact, Tammy, I'm, I'm thinking about one of my clients who was in a very similar situation to the one I was in. He happens to work at Google uh, and very successful, but he was working like crazy and you know, doing email and never catching up, always behind, um, you know, up late at night trying to catch up, all that kind of thing. And you know, through the work that we did together, initially what he said was, I've always wanted to start my own business. I would love to be an entrepreneur. And so we started down that path. And in fact, he started a nonprofit. Um, and so he, he launched that. But also through the work that we were doing, you know, to find time to start a nonprofit, he, that time had to come from somewhere. Yeah. And so he said, well, I don't want to take it out of family time because that's important. And so we worked on how do you take that out of your work hours? the hours that he had been dedicating to work. So he took that out to start this nonprofit. But he also then said, well, hey, I can do that. 
I also want to get in better physical shape and I really love playing tennis and golf. And so he started building that into his schedule. So he took all of, he took, you know, 10 hours out of his work week and he reallocated that to things that mattered to him. Wow. And in doing so, he not only was happier personally, because now he was doing things that he wanted to do. He was actually more effective at work. Yeah. He said, you know, like, and this is, this is, I think is just so magical. It's like who can imagine by spending less time, you're more effective. Um, I can imagine that actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And, and it's true. But then the, the, the beauty of all of this is his, he still has a desire to start a company, but he hasn't done it yet. And he's not in such a hurry. Yeah, because he's not so unhappy because of his his whole outlook, as you said, is different, which is I know it's there for me. I know I can start it when I'm ready right. to do it. Right. But I have a choice and I'm at the moment, I'm not ready to start a new company. Yeah. And so he's engaged in his work at Google, but he's doing it in a way that works for him. He's happier at his work because of the way he's approaching his work and his flexibility to make choices that work for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's just, he has a whole new outlook on life, a new operating system, if you will, in exactly. terms of how he's operating in his work and in his personal life and his overall level of satisfaction and happiness in life has is, is gone up. Well, I have a feeling that you're going to have to be uh, putting, putting some boundaries or limits even around your practice if you haven't already, because what what you're offering. And I love the the metaphors and the context in which you're talking about all this. And of course, you're in you're in a part of the the country and in a part of the world where speaking to it in the way that you are is going to make it very accessible for a lot of people who relate to talking about technology. Mm-hmm. So um if if you're not already doing so, be ready to to have to find either associates to pass other clients on to or, <laughs> or put the brakes on somehow. I just can't imagine that people aren't going to be hearing about you sooner or later. Maybe they already are. I don't know if you're turning people away already, but. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that, Tammy. And the, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm just so energized about this idea because you know we all have we're all the product of our operating system our beliefs and our assumptions about the way the world works yeah and everybody wants more in life and that's not a bad thing that's normal right it doesn't matter how successful you are how rich and wonderful your life is we can all imagine even another level beyond yeah. that and that's yeah. just life i believe that's part yeah. of being human right. as part of growing and learning and expanding and i celebrate yeah. that and yeah. i just love supporting people in it so yeah. um i you know for me i've lived in that place as i said 8 years in the same job which was not miserable but it was right. also feeling stuck yeah yeah and I just like I just have this real desire to support people in that. Yeah. And I will say in particular, I have a desire to support men in that because I yeah. believe so many men don't talk about this. Yeah. Don't have someone to talk about it except maybe yeah. their spouse. Yeah. Um, you know, and so just to have an environment and have other people where you can just challenge some of these beliefs and challenge them in yourself. Yeah. And give yourself the opportunity to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. I just, it's been invaluable to me. And I, just, I love it. I have a real passion about sharing that with others. I love it. And, and is most of your practice working one-on-one or are you offering groups or? 
So my practice is primarily one-on-one right now. Yeah. I do have a group for people that I've already worked with one-on-one that I've got a group that I'm running. And, um, but you know, as, as you talked about is, as, as more people hear about this and as it expands, I'm definitely introducing groups and, you know, I've got all sorts of ideas about how to expand yeah. this because yeah. for me, this is about touching people and helping them to see a broader and bigger perspective and potential yeah. in the world. Yeah. Well, this is very exciting, Rusty. Um, If you had to give somebody one piece of advice that let's say they're feeling stuck or they're trying to figure out one step they can take to figure out what's next, what would you, what would be a a key piece of advice you would offer? So the the biggest piece of advice that I would offer is, and, and this is always where I start with my clients, is to invest some time imagining what you would love your life to look like. Mm-hmm. But before you do that, yeah. you have to be willing to carve out five minutes, 10 minutes, some period of time to push pause on your old operating system, Yeah, which is all of the beliefs and assumptions and limitations that we all have about what we think is possible. So you just have to deliberately say, I'm just going to blow all those things up for five minutes. They'll pick them up again in five minutes. That's fine. But for these next five minutes, at least put them down and just think about what if, again, what if money were not a constraint? Right. What if, in fact, you could get paid to do what you love? Right. What if it were easy? What if your life and your work blended together in a seamless and easy way? What if it weren't hard? Right. What if you, your, your friends and, and family celebrated you for this rather than, you know, questioned you for it? So just all of these things that most of us can get held back right. by. Right. To set those down for a moment and just really deliberately be as expansive as possible to tune into yourself internally about what it is that you feel called to do in your life. Right. That's great advice. Great advice. Rusty, thank you so much for being here today. How can people find you and learn more about your work and be in touch with you if they'd like to be? Absolutely. Uh, The two best places are my website, which is uh, svdreambuilders.com. That stands for Silicon Valley Dream Builders. So svdreambuilders.com or on LinkedIn, uh, Rusty Gaylord. And you can find me there on LinkedIn. I I'm very active there. So that's, those are the two best places to connect with me. Wonderful. So that will all be in the show notes, folks. You can you will be able to find Rusty very easily. This has been expansive, this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here, Rusty. Thank you, Tammy. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Rusty Gaylord. It was so interesting to speak with him about his professional journey. What is your key takeaway from our interview? If you are interested in any of the resources or links mentioned in today's podcast, you can find them on the blog page of my website at www.tammygoolerlobe.com. Just look for episode 127. Are you thinking about what your next professional move is going to be? Maybe you're just feeling a little stuck. Get specialized group and individualized support, insights, and accountability from a brilliant mix of professional women in a safe, non-judgmental creative space. Join one of my small hybrid mastermind coaching groups, starting on a rolling basis. You can learn more at https colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash navigating career change.
If you were inspired by this episode with Rusty, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you enjoying the podcast? I'd so appreciate your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find through my website at TammyGoolerLobe.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the Apple Podcast button and follow the instructions provided there. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's never too late or too impossible to increase your sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in your work and other meaningful activities. I'd love to hear how it's going for you. Feel free to drop me a line. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Work From the Inside Out podcast. For more information, you can find us at www.workfromtheinsideout.com.